You're listening to the Paul Hutchings Podcast, brought to you by paulhutchings.net, teaching you to be free through principle-centered lessons on personal development, online marketing, and financial literacy. Hey, what's going on, friends and fellow Freedom Crusaders? It is another great day to be alive, and you are tuned in to episode five of the Paul Hutchings Podcast, and I am extremely excited about the content that I have to share with you today. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you the top five lessons for financial literacy, aka Freedom Money 101. So sit back, buckle your seatbelt. This is going to be an episode that can really form the right view of money so you can move forward growing your business, doing the things that you do on a daily basis in a way that can really create a space of freedom over a certain amount of time. Before I get into the top five lessons, I, of course, have to share with you a story. I want to share with you a story from my job days. I, as I mentioned in previous podcast episodes, used to work in a call center, and there was this one time when the boss said, hey, Paul, can you fly down to Phoenix, Arizona and do a meeting for the company on this particular weekend? I thought about it and realized that this particular weekend happened to be my very first year wedding anniversary. So when my boss asked me that question, I said, yeah, I think I can. Is it okay if I talk to my beautiful bride and just run it by her, make sure it's okay? And the boss says, yeah, go ahead and do that. So I talked to my wife. I said, honey, company wants me to fly down to Phoenix. I know it's our first year wedding anniversary. What do you think about that? Is that going to be okay? And she said, well, you know, it's your job. Probably should do it. So I got back to my boss and I said, boss, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I fly down to Phoenix, Arizona. I do this meeting and my anniversary was on a Saturday night. I'd been working all day. I finished up my work and I was sitting in this steakhouse all by myself with this plate of food in front of me. And I remember looking down at the table and looking at my cell phone, dialing the number to call my wife. She answers the phone. I put the cell phone to my ear and over a plate of food where I'm sitting there eating alone, I say, happy anniversary, honey. I really wish I could be there for you. I love you. And that's how I spent my very first year wedding anniversary. Now, the irony of this story is that about six months later, I was in my annual review with this company where my boss was evaluating my performance. I go into his office and he's sitting across the desk from me and he says, Paul, you know, you're doing great in this area, this area, this area. And then he says, there's one area where we're concerned, Paul. And I said, really, where's that? I'd like to improve. Please, yeah, please share with me. And he says, we're concerned about your loyalty to the company. And I said in a little bit of shock. My loyalty to the company? What do you mean, boss? And he went on to say, well, you remember that time when we asked you to go do that meeting down in Phoenix, Arizona for the company? And I said, yeah, of course I remember it. That was my first year wedding anniversary. I had to skip my anniversary to go do that meeting. And he said, yeah, when we asked you, you initially hesitated. And that showed us that you were not totally loyal to the company. And as those words fell upon my ears, I felt this extreme sense of injustice. I felt like my soul was standing up in protest and saying, are you kidding me? I sacrificed my first year wedding anniversary for the company, and now you're telling me that that was a demonstration of non-loyalty? And I made this inner decision when that happened. I said, I never want to be in a spot where I have to choose my job 
over my family. And that was one of the stories, along with some of the other stories I've shared on this podcast, that really lit this fire inside of me that said, Paul, you got to figure out a way where you can put your family first. You got to figure out a way where you don't have these dictators in your life telling you hurtful things like you're not loyal because you didn't choose the company over your family. I just wanted to pass that along as food for thought as we get into financial literacy because one of the things that is necessary as we continue to step into more freedom is we must have the motivation to learn the things we need to learn and then do the things we need to do. And these stories that I'm sharing with you are key pieces of my motivation. These are fires that got stoked inside the furnace of my soul that drove me on to read whatever books I had to read, to do whatever I had to do to build the freedom in my life that I now enjoy. With that, let's go ahead and get into the top five lessons for financial literacy, aka Freedom Money 101. The number one lesson that I picked up was in a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad that I've mentioned on previous episodes by Robert Kiyosaki. And if you have not read this book, I recommend you go out and read this book, devour it. Robert Kiyosaki is the king of financial literacy. There was one idea in this book that has stayed with me. It was like it made an imprint on my soul. I remember the moment I picked up this idea. I was sitting in our single wide trailer house after a long day of work in this recliner and I was reading this book because as I mentioned in my first year of network marketing, they had this recommended reading list and Rich Dad Poor Dad was on this list. And so there I was after a long day of work reading this book and I remember I came to a certain point in the book where it felt like someone reached inside my brain and flipped on a light switch and it was when this idea was introduced and the idea is this basically Robert Kiyosaki said in this book that it is possible to build a pipeline from the marketplace to your bank account so that once the pipeline is built the money flows from the market to your bank account and you can stand back and look at the pipeline and tap the pipeline metaphorically on the head like you're tapping a child that you're proud of and say, good job pipeline, keep up the great work, keep pouring that money into my bank account, this pipeline money concept. And this of course is nothing more than residual income. He talked about how it's possible to build residual income where the money doesn't come just once, but it keeps coming again and again and again after you've done the initial work to build the pipeline. Pipeline money. Jim Rohn used to say profits are better than wages. And I love that quote. I teach it to my kids and I'm going to take it a little bit further and I'm going to say residual profits are better than one-time profits. If you want to build a life of freedom, residual income is a very essential component of building that life. So remember the pipeline. Remember that as you're doing things that you're doing, if you can set them up in a way where they require no or at least a little maintenance to continue dumping that money, that is a very powerful idea. And it's one that I've been able to champion through all the hard times to be able to build those pipelines in my life today. So that's idea number one, build a pipeline. Number two, how do you build the pipeline? Well, Robert Kiyosaki goes on to further illustrate this in the book, and he talks about how wealthy people who have pipelines, they take the money that they bring into their lives and whatever forms the money's coming in, be it a job or other forms of income, and they take that money and they direct it to this magical little bucket 
called an asset bucket. He went on to say that poor people or people who are not free, what they do is they take whatever money is coming in and rather than putting that money into the asset bucket, they instead choose to put it into the liability bucket. Now, the one thing that people don't understand when they do this is that the liability bucket has a hole in the bottom. If you can imagine putting your money into this bucket that has a hole in the bottom that goes all throughout the other side of the earth so that when you put that money in, the money drops to the bottom of the hole, it flows all the way through the earth and then it falls out the sky on the other side and flows into the sun and just burns right up and the money's gone, poof, it's gone. That's what putting your money into liabilities is like. Whereas if you put your money into the asset bucket, something magical happens in the asset bucket where not only is there a bottom on this bucket, but when you put the money in the asset bucket, the money will stay in the bucket and this crazy thing happens where the money begins to multiply where you maybe put two dollar bills in there today and then tomorrow you look in the asset bucket and now you've got three dollars and then the next day you've got six and then the next day you've got 12 and it's doing this all by itself without you really being in there mixing any special pixie dust in with the money it's just doing it by itself because you made the key decision to put your money into the asset bucket versus the liability bucket. And what are assets? Let's describe this real quick. An asset is nothing more than a business or an investment, a real estate investment, say a rental property. It's like a golden goose. Maybe you've heard the fable of the golden goose where you have this goose and this goose is laying golden eggs over and over and over. That's like an asset. You've got this golden goose that as long as you take care of it, as long as you make sure it's got food to eat and water to drink and it's in a nice safe place where it can't be disturbed, that goose will continue to lay golden eggs day after day after day after day. That's what an asset is, a business or an investment that lays golden eggs over and over and over. Now, what's a liability? A liability would be something that not only does it cost money to buy, but after you buy it, it continues to take money away from you. It continues to depreciate in value. It continues to have expenses that you just got to put into it and put into it and put into it. And it's never laying any golden eggs. It's not multiplying your wealth. That's what a liability is. And examples of liabilities would be, say, you buy a sports car on a loan that not only do you go in debt for, so you go in debt for it, and now that you've got this debt, you have to pay the debt back. Not only do you have to pay the debt back, but this debt is accumulating interest, which means now not only do you have to pay the debt back, but now you have to pay even more than the thing cost you because of this crazy thing called interest that the banks seem to love to charge. And furthermore, you drive this sports car off the lot, and the second you drive it off the lot, it depreciates in value, which means, let's say you pay $100,000 for the sports car, you drive it off the lot. The second you drive it off the lot, it's now worth $80,000. Poof, you've lost $20,000 the second that you did this. Now, I know most people out there aren't buying sports cars, but they are going in debt for maybe cars that are a little bit more luxurious than they need for their day-to-day -day lives. They're buying houses that maybe are bigger and fancier than they really need to be able to provide for their family sufficiently. And in a lot of cases, people are doing this because they worry so much about what others think of them that they would rather be broke 
and have others think that they are wealthy than be wealthy and have others maybe not know that they are wealthy. Did you catch that? That is a key distinction. And that leads us into point number three. And actually, let me just re-highlight this lesson before we move on to point number three. Wealthy people, free people, they choose to take their money and buy assets Poor people take their money and buy liabilities. And one last little illustration, just so you can really get this in your brain if you don't already have it. If you can imagine a trampoline on one side and you can imagine a toilet on the other, when you put your money into the asset category, you buy assets and assets are things that make you money. According to Robert Kiyosaki, liabilities are things that cost you money and don't make you money. Pretty simple to understand, right? Kids can understand this stuff. So an asset is something that makes you money, and we're gonna represent it one more time by a different metaphor. An asset is a trampoline, where if you throw your money on the trampoline, the money bounces back up to you. It doesn't leave. You keep the money, and it multiplies even more money back up to you. That's putting your money into an asset. Putting your money into a liability is like flushing it down the toilet. So would you rather put your money to the trampoline or to the toilet? That's the choice, asset liability. Okay, so now that leads us to the next critical lesson, number four. This lesson comes to me from two great mentors. One is Mr. Dave Ramsey. He has this quote that has stuck with me ever since I heard it, and it's been a guiding force in my financial decisions, both for myself and my wife and our family. I actually haven't read a ton of Dave Ramsey books. I haven't listened to much of his content, but somehow this quote found its way to me, and it is a profound piece of wisdom. And here it is. Live like no one else now, so you can live like no one else later. Live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. This is one of the reasons that when my wife and I first started out in our married life, we chose to live in a single wide trailer house. We chose to live there. Why? In part because we had been taught that it is better to live like no one else now. So that's what we were doing, even though sometimes our neighbors thought we were broke, struggling, whatever perceptions they had. I remember one time in church, someone comes up to my wife and says, are you guys staying uh, warm in that little trailer house? Kind of giving this implication that, oh, you poor pitiful people living in a trailer. But we chose that. And the trailer was nice. It provided our family warmth and comfort and place to build great relationships. There was not a thing in the world wrong with that single wide trailer house other than it may not have been up to others' expectations or standards. But because we wanted to build a life of freedom, we chose to live in that trailer house so we could save money so we could then send that money to assets, aka invest, because we knew we wanted to be free. So we made that decision consciously because we were doing the best that we could to follow this advice that Robert Kiyosaki had given us and also Dave Ramsey here. Live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. And if you do that, if you live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later, that gives you the ability to save money. Save the money that you would have blown out the toilet. Save the money that you would have thrown into the bottom of that bottomless pit of a bucket, the liability bucket. Save that money. You save it 
so you can accumulate it so that you can then direct that money into income producing assets. Now, one other illustration, I mentioned two mentors helped me to understand this idea. First was Dave Ramsey with that quote, but here's the second one. I read a book one time, it's called The Millionaire Next Door and it's by Thomas Stanley and William Danko. These two gentlemen were professors and they wanted to write this book on how do millionaires become millionaires. These were not necessarily personal development type people. As I mentioned, they were college professors. So they had a background in research and study and statistics. So they approached this topic from a totally different standpoint. The first question they asked themselves is, okay, well, if we want to talk about millionaires, we've got to find out uh, where are they so we can interview them. The first thought that came to their mind was, let's find the nicest, fanciest, most luxurious neighborhood with the biggest houses and the most beautiful yards and the nicest cars in the garages, because obviously this is where the affluent live. So they set out to find this neighborhood. They located a neighborhood. They were all ready to go start to connect with these quote unquote millionaires that they thought would be living there. And in the book, they said they made one of the most shocking discoveries of their entire research project. The discovery was this. As they started to connect with the people in these neighborhoods, they realized that most of the people that lived in these neighborhoods did not have wealth. In other words, they were living high on the hog, they were in debt so that they could show everyone they had a big house, so that they could show everyone they had a nice car, but when it got down to looking at their financial well-being, most of these people were not only at zero, but were negative zero because they were in debt for all of these liabilities so they could give a good perception, right? They were in debt. I remember one time Jim Rohn in a audio said, you can go way past zero. You can zoom right on past zero. They will bury you these days. And that's what happens when we accumulate large amounts of debt, especially for liabilities. We get buried financially. So Live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. This is a key choice that it seems we have to make. Are we going to live to impress those around us or are we going to live for the betterment of our families and our financial future? And sometimes those two choices are in direct opposition one with another. What my wife and I have chose to do of course, as you know, is we chose to live in the trailer. We chose to endure criticism that came occasionally. And that allowed us to do all these things that I'm talking about in this episode, save money, invest it, buy assets, which eventually led to freedom. And I would love to encourage you to make that same decision. Live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. And that brings us to number four, lesson number four, is you can start now wherever you are at. You don't have to wait until you have a bunch of money in the bank to start thinking about buying assets. I wanna share with you what we did in our story when we first got started and I'm reading these books and I'm thinking, okay, I need to use my money and I need to multiply it. I need to buy assets. I need to buy things that make me money. One of the very first things we did is we started to buy used cars. And what we would do is we would look on Craigslist. We would look in the various places that cars are listed. And we started to get a feel for what cars were worth. 
And as we scoured the available inventory on the market, we started to realize that every once in a while, there would be a car or a truck that was put for sale that was listed below what it was worth. And there are a lot of reasons people do this. Sometimes people don't really need the money so, and they just want the thing gone fast. And so they won't even look up what it's worth. They'll just put a number on it that comes from their head. And when you find one of these people and you give them the money, they're super happy that you gave them the money and they got rid of their thing. That's one of the ways good deals come about. Other times people are in a desperate need for money. So they care more about getting the money fast than they do about getting all the thing is worth. That's another thing that creates great deals. Bottom line is there are deals out there. And so what we did initially, when we only had a couple thousand dollars, didn't have a lot, we saved money, we had a few thousand dollars, we started to buy these vehicles, and then we would clean them up, we would shine them up, we would improve them in some way, and then we would put them back on the market. And that allowed us to take a little bit of money that we had, put it into something, make that something better, deliver it to someone else and increase the amount of money that we had. So we did that a few times in the beginning. And then what we did as we were still learning and still building our business is we realized that this car flipping thing, that's not really passive income. That's not pipeline money like we've talked about in this episode. We really wanted pipeline money. And so then what we did is we saved up about $10,000. And here's a good question for you. Can you invest $10,000 into something that will return residual income for you. That might seem like a tough thing to do. You might say, well, $10,000, that's that's not a lot of money, but here's what happens. And I think this is what happens for all of us as we become aware of these ideas and we start to just pay attention to the opportunities that are present around us that we wouldn't see had we not been aware of these ideas. So one day I'm working at this auto auction and one of my friends who happened to be a car dealer, we were talking about pipeline money and residual income and I was telling him things that I was learning in books and his name was Dave and Dave said, hey Paul, I actually have a single wide mobile home that's a rental that I wouldn't mind selling to you. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And and I said, well, how much is it? And he said, I think I'd probably sell it for maybe $10,000. And that just so happened to be the amount of money that my wife and I had saved up. Now, here's something interesting to think about. We were living in a single wide trailer house looking at buying another single wide trailer house as an investment. <laughs> so you can start where you're at. You can start where you're at. I went and looked at this single wide mobile home and it was a really cool investment because it was a single wide mobile home that someone had torn down to the frame and then basically built a house on top of it. It was shaped like a single wide, but it had nice thick walls, great insulation, A-frame roof with an attic, just a really solid rental unit. And my friend Dave said, I'll sell this to you for $10,000. So we bought that. It was in a trailer park. And that little property, that was our very first passive income pipeline money investment property, that little investment produced about $400 cash flow after expenses for years for our family. Just month in, month out, passive income coming in. It was the most amazing thing. We eventually sold that little investment because the family that was living there really wanted to have a place of their own and they approached us and asked us if we would consider selling it. So my wife and I talked about it and said, you know, these guys have been really great renters. They're a little family. We resonated with that as we had also a little family living in a trailer <laughs> and we wanted a place of our own. So anyway, we sold that property, but that experience taught me that you can really 
start wherever you're at. You can start if you're living in an apartment. You can start if you're living in a trailer house. It boils down to having the right ideas in place and having the determination and the desire and then just being aware and looking around you for the different ways that you can take what money you have as you're saving it because you're living like no one else now, so you can live like no one else later, you should have money accumulating, you should have savings accumulating. That's a crucial factor. And then you can take that money and find ways to put it to work in the service of others. So that's point number four. And point number five, as we close out this episode, I wanted to share with you what I wish I would have known about financial freedom before I decided to go for it. Because I've been on this journey now over a decade and thankfully we're in a space of freedom now and I was just reflecting on the journey and what what would I wish I had known just getting started on the journey and I want to pass this along. So just getting started on the journey, I remember I used to think that when I have my freedom, when I have the money, when I have all of these goals and dreams, I will be happy because I will have finally reached the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The lesson that I wish I'd have known when I first got started is this. There is no end of the rainbow. Don't take that the wrong way. What I mean by that is there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and that's what chasing freedom is all about and it's a worthy ideal and it's a worthy goal and I think we should all do it. I think we should all set the goal to be become financially free and while we're doing that, it's important to remember that when we get to that pot of gold that's at the end of the rainbow, we, we're happy, we're thankful and then we lift up our eyes and we see that there is another rainbow to ride. In short, the journey doesn't end. In short, we are here to continue to be of service to people, to enjoy our lives now, to be joyful, to have fun, to be happy all along the journey. And I guess the reason I wanted to pass this along is because when you get to your place of freedom, one of the things that I've noticed is that challenges still pop up, Problems still come. Money doesn't make you happy instantly. Life marches on. And in addition to that, as I was talking to my wife the other night before we went to sleep, I made the comment that, you know, when we first started on this journey, I always thought I want to be financially free. I want to have pipeline money. So my time is disconnected from my money. So I won't have to work. That was always the goal. So I won't have to work. And it's a worthy ideal. And now that we're here, I told my wife, I've realized that I don't think I was put here on this earth to just sit around and do nothing with my time all day or just be on a beach all day or sit around and count my money. I've got this inner knowing inside that says, you're here for a purpose. You're here to do things. You're here to help people. Now that you've achieved a certain measure of success, your job is to do the best that you can to help others get there. There's a great line from Shenandoah that says, if we don't try, then we don't do. And if we don't do, then why are we here? And I want to pass this lesson along to you wherever you're at on the journey so that you can remember that there is joy in the process. There is happiness in the process. There is service in the process. There is soul pay in the process wherever you're at. And you can enjoy that now as you're riding that rainbow to your pot of gold with the realization that once you get your pot of gold, celebrate, congratulate yourself, but always lift your chin and find the next 
rainbow. That's it for today, my friends and fellow Freedom Crusaders. Thanks for tuning in to the Paul Hutchings podcast, the lessons we covered, the pipeline, assets versus liabilities. Live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. You can start now wherever you're at. And number five, what I wish I would have known about financial freedom before I decided to go for it, that now you know. So get out there, make it a great day. Always go for your dreams. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you on the next episode. Take care and bye for now. Hey there, my friend. This is Paul Hetchings. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope this has been a great investment into your better future. To make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes and bonus content, please visit paulhetchings.net and click the podcast link in the menu bar to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and whatever you do, always go for your dreams.